The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility responsible gaming resources which coast traveling east to west Aaron laugh oh, <laughs> Mark Gunnels at the house on it Chiefs coast to coast. What's up, Mr. Lad? You got me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? He's like, you're so sick of me in this hotel room. Voice just carrying off the walls. Hey, man. Coast to coast. We're on the West Coast, baby. We're both in Las Vegas right now. But we're not um, in the same room. <laughs> I had to get the... Uh... I had to get my ID and everything checked because once I go into the West Coast, that's your territory. You know, you come to KC, that's me. I make sure everybody knows you come through is good with me. But uh, on the West Coast, you know, they I had to get some clearance before I came. Yeah, yeah, you gotta check in when you come to the West Coast, man. But you're good though. I told everybody to lay off, man. So you're good. You're so funny. Yeah, yeah. How do you? How are we in the same city and you're still avoiding me? How, how is that happening? Because <laughs> I'm Neil Armstrong, man. I'm still gonna I'm be like, in yo, Vegas. Let's, you know, both, we're both gonna be in Vegas, you know. Let, let's do something different. Let's get a fans, you know, something something a little with a Vegas taste. And, and Neil just refuses to come down from out of space, man. Yeah, man, it's just my comfort zone. I don't know what to say, man. At this point, it's just it's my natural habitat, you know. <laughs> Based off our pod, you were like, oh, you know, I'm I'm only on three spaces a day, <laughs> and I had. I had so many people immediately say that that was Cap and show me screenshots of you in multiple spaces per day. You're lying. Are you serious? I swear. Pete Sweetie was like, yo, this is a a downright lie. Wow. (laughs) The things are out, man. You got to love it, right? But welcome, guys, to another episode of Coast to Coast with me, Mark Gunnels, and my special co-host, none other. Than Mr. 41 himself, Aaron Ladd. We're live here in Las Vegas for the NABJ convention. If you don't know what that is, it's the National Association of Black Journalists. They host the annual convention every year. This is the first one in person since COVID, obviously. The last one was in 2019, which was in Miami, which apparently I met Aaron there and I don't remember. That's not surprising because you're so Hollywood. You meet so many different people. You Lakers Nation. I mean, it's 
it's no surprise that you big time me, you know? <laughs> anyway, man, let's get into these Chiefs. Uh, obviously, training camp has been underway for over a week now, roughly. Uh, yours truly, I mean, well, not me, but that's you. You've been on the ground uh, enduring the the heat, the humidity out there in St. Joe with your camera on, over your shoulder and your mic in your other hand getting viral footage you got the footage of sky moore's injury which wasn't a big deal you're getting orlando brown with brett veach and we're going to start there with orlando brown obviously he's reported to camp now so everybody can take a deep breath and before i get to you man i know we were talking about this on a lot of the previous shows and we we're kind of predicting when he may come i think we both agreed that he wasn't going to miss any games but i'm sure you probably are on the same uh thought process is me here i'm surprised he returned this early i mean I, i'm absolutely stunned i thought he was gonna wait a little bit you know who wants to go to st joe right now you know it's so hot out there why not just work out with your own personal guy maybe come for the first or second preseason game so i'm shocked he came this early but i'm happy i mean it's great because he came when the pad started he uh talked about how it's important for him and andy reed and the guys those first five days and pads. So it shows the ultimate commitment. And obviously, I mean, the main thing for me is, and I've said this before, he doesn't have much leverage here. Him sitting out does nothing. The deadline's already passed. You're going to play on the tag. And the longer you wait, you know, you may lose some leverage, right? If somebody steps in, they, they perform pretty well. They're like, oh, we don't even need you that much. So it was imperative for him to come back. But I'm surprised it happened this early. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. I got the alert, and I almost couldn't believe it. It was the first day of pads, so we know it was an important day for uh, for Kansas City, but he comes in and practices in that second day, and I, I, he looked looked fine. I, I, he looked like he had slimmed down a little bit from uh, what he showed up at camp last year, and there were some pictures kind of going around Chiefs Twitter. Uh, he mentioned that, hey, you know, I've, I've been doing work. I haven't just been sitting all behind. Like, i actually been staying in shape and that kind of thing. But Marquis missed a lot of ball, man. It's, it's not just training camp. Uh, Orlando Brown wasn't present for any of the any of the earlier offseason activities as well. I, I think about uh, minicamp at the team facility. Uh, Orlando Brown wasn't present. We're still asking the same questions. Uh, so for him to show up, and, and he kind of spoke to this when talking with reporters after practice, he said, I know how important this five-day stretch is to Coach Reed. And and, and uh, when we talk about a violent sport, a physical sport, and a, and a position that Orlando Brown plays in the trenches, uh, he's got he's to jump back in and, and, and kind of fit in seamlessly with that offensive line. I'm surprised it happened as early as it did, but it's definitely a, a sight for sore eyes for Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. And what are your thoughts on this quote? This is a quote that's kind of been circulating around Chiefs Twitter and people are calling Cap, obviously, when he said, I want to finish the rest of my career here in Kansas City. And then, you know, he went on to say, it's not about the money. You're asking what what I think about that? <laughs> if you can't speak on it, it's okay. Um... <laughs> you have to actually deal with this guy. I, I forgot about that. I And here's what I'll say about... Uh, about the Orlando Brown situation, the Chiefs were kind of being the Chiefs were kind of being sneaky with it. They were like, "Oh, he's he's acclimating, so he might be out there, but he might not talk to y'all right away." 
Um, it's all part of the process. And then like right before, you know, media availability started, they were like, oh, by the way, Orlando Brown's coming down. I thought he took it over the chin. I, I, I thought he knew. I mean, obviously they had him prepped and ready to go. And I'm sure any PR professional told him a, this is what you should expect. But, you know, he openly admitted he felt like there weren't enough guarantees in the deal. Uh, uh, he didn't give any specifics, but we've all seen the number that's kind of been floating around there. Six years, 139. But it, it, it's kind of funny money, Mark. You know this, man. The Chiefs could have got out of that reported contract after two years. And Orlando Brown is, is sitting there with no security. He said, you know, there's no hard feelings. Obviously, that video of him and Brett Veach kind of made the rounds a little bit. But I thought that that was just that just kind of showed where the two parties are right now, man. A contentious negotiation. Uh, both sides probably upset with how it turned out. But, you know, you get back on, under one umbrella, you get back on the, on the same page, and you're back to addressing what the what the topic at hand or what the goal at hand is, and that's trying to play in Arizona in February. Yeah, and speaking of February, he said he's win, he's here to win Super Bowls, and that's all he cares about. And, you know, he sounds like he's dedicated and he's ready to go. Um, well, I was very... Hold on. Cause oh, go ahead. It, it is a little cap. We can go ahead and admit that. I mean, it, it, a, a lot of times when, when players say stuff, you know, you kind of have to read between the lines. But what is Orlando Brown supposed to say in that situation? I mean, he admitted where he felt like the shortcomings were with the deal. And then he said, you know what? I didn't feel right sitting at home. I'm here now. No hard feelings. I'm ready to roll. I felt I felt like that was that was an honest. I, I, I know I don't care about money is something that players say all the time. And it, it's probably something we have all said in our in our professional lives oh i just want to do something that makes me happy i don't care about the money but that yeah. matters. that i mean it, it matters man we know that that matters the fact that he's here that was more important than than a lot of the stuff that he ended up saying yeah it definitely matters and what obviously is going to matter even more is his play this year right because this is it's a prove it year i mean if he goes out there and looks like a top five top ten left tackle undeniably the chiefs have a lot of success offensively and he's a big part of that He's going to have a lot of leverage heading into the offseason. And now the Chiefs going to have to make a decision, right? Uh, are you going to give up that bag? Because he's going to demand a lot of money if he plays good this year. Like I said before, left tackle is arguably the second most important position in football behind quarterback because you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. So we'll see, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited to see that he looks a little slimmer. Uh, should help him against those speed rushers that really gave him a lot, a lot of problem last year. Because he was actually really good in run blocking. He struggled in pass protection at times. He got better as the season went on, obviously. But a lot of that had to do with him also coming from Baltimore, which is a very heavy run system. You know, coming to Kansas City, obviously, it's the complete opposite. So it took time to adjust uh, from completely opposite schemes. But speaking of um, schemes and something that I'm really looking forward to, and I think is a very, very intriguing uh, battle here, man. How about that wide receiver room? But before we get into, like, the battle for the last couple of spots, let me give you your flowers. Um, you were the guy that came through with the Sky Sky Moore video when people were asking for it. Where's the video? Where's the video? Obviously, Sky Moore the other day, he um, tweaked his, his, what, his, his thigh? Well, his hip, his hip, his hip, yeah. And, you know, people were freaking out on Twitter. But obviously, it was no big deal. I've seen videos today of him returning punts, and he looks to be really uh, moving pretty good. Um, just what's your thoughts on Sky Moore from what you've seen so far? Um, that slight scare that people were freaking out about the other day, and just 
your overall thoughts on uh, how they're using him in the systems thus far? People have always asked, what are your early camp standouts? And I, I push and recommend everybody who's in here listening to Chiefs Coast to Coast on Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Arrowhead Pride has been doing these training camp reports every single day after practice. Steven Serta, Pete Sweeney, they've been breaking down everything from practice, the standouts, the risers, the fallers, all that stuff. And Sky Moore has been continuously in that conversation. This is a guy that has a knack for attacking the football. Uh, it, it, and I mentioned this on his pod a couple uh, of episodes ago. And we're talking about a guy that fits most likely into that cheetah role. It's got to be Sky Moore, Mark. I mean, it, it, it just, to me, it seems like it, it seems like that's the fit. I know that's a heavy, uh, a, a heavy comparison to put on somebody, but. He just has a knack for catching the football. You see he's got chemistry with Mahomes already. He left practice early yesterday, but seems to be all right. He's tweeted out, or excuse me, put on Instagram that he's good. I mean, those little nicks and stuff, that's that's going to happen. I know the sky is falling anytime a guy limps off to the to the sideline, but it's football, man. Guys are getting used to getting hit again. Guys are getting used to their body taking that punishment again. Sky Moore is a rookie, so he's still learning what that thump is like in the National Football League. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to he's gonna <laughs> have to put on a little bit of weight, too. I think that's part of the conversation as well. But as far as standouts and how he fits into the offense, it, it, it's exactly what you hoped for if you were a, a Chiefs fan trying to replace Tyreek. Yeah, and I noticed that little pun you put in there. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but you're such a natural. You know, I'm just right. a rapper, man. That's what it comes down to. I got a ball. Right, did you even realize you even did that? Did you know what you I, did? It's just a natural, though. I, I, I can't help myself. The sky is falling. <laughs> but, yeah, man, so – Based on what you've seen so far, you know, obviously you don't want to overreact too much, but maybe you do. So I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But I think we agreed before camp that he was probably the fourth receiving the op option, right? Behind Hardman, Juju, and MVS. Does your mind change so far? I, I'm just hesitant to, like, do a pecking order based off a week and a half of, of guys going against offensive defense. You know what I mean? Like, I got to see preseason games. I got to see. Uh, what the offense looks like against uh, a different defense, guys in some different color jerseys. I will say uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has, has stood out in, in almost every situation that I've seen. Um, he tweeted the other day that Monday's practice, the first padded practice, was his hardest practice of his NFL career. I believe he's going to his sixth year in the league, and I'll throw this, uh, this tweet up on the Jumbotron in here, but it just seems like he's going to be that perfect safety blanket right across the middle of the field uh, for Patrick Mahomes, it, it, the chemistry is there, the little short intermediate routes, the little spacing routes that Andy Reid loves to throw in. Um, if it's between, are we talking about new addition wideouts? Uh, Juju to me ha has popped. Yeah, I think if you were to name any good body on that receiver room that's going to get a thousand or more yards receiving, I think Juju's definitely the guy you go for considering the amount of volume I expect him to get. It seems like him and Mahomes already have the chemistry which is crazy because they obviously haven't played together before. But it seems like they have a, a unique uh, knack for knowing where, where each other's going to be at at all times. And, you know, that's invaluable, right? Like, you can't, you can't teach that. And obviously with Travis Kelsey demanding a lot of attention in the middle of the field, I think it's going to open up a lot for Juju for those intermediate routes, those out routes, you know, 10 to 15 yards, uh, those crucial third downs. We need to move the chains on, like, third and four, third and five. I think he's going to be that chain mover. And also, he could be a guy in the red zone, too. I mean, he's a big-body guy 
Uh, he's very strong with the football in his hand. He's tough to bring down. So he's also a red zone threat as well, which I don't think people give him enough credit for. So, yeah, I totally agree with that, man. I think Judah's going to be a big, big spark for this offense. But speaking of this offense, we, we know who the main four guys are going to be, right? We know the locks of receivers are going to make the team. Juju, MVS, Hartman, and Sky. The question is, do they keep five receivers or six? Because if they keep five, to me, that knocks out Josh Gordon. Because you want that fifth guy, or even maybe the fourth guy, to have an impact on special teams, right? And we're already seeing Sky Moore returning punts, but obviously you're going to need some gunners for uh, kickoffs and stuff like that for that fifth and sixth guy. So if they only keep five receivers, man, Josh Gordon may be out. Even if they keep six, he still may be out, man. I mean, you got a lot of guys that are impressing. Obviously, you saw Dave Tobe talk to the media, mention guys that he likes to, uh, for special teams. And we know Josh Gordon isn't a special teams guy. And I've always been under under the impression that, you know, Andy Reid has a soft spot for guys like Josh Gordon, you know, guys with a trouble past and they're trying to uh, change things around. And to Josh, Cord- to Josh Gordon's credit, he's been very squeaky clean, man. Like he's had no off the field issues. You know, he's been very, um, very accountable. And he's been there, right? But I'm not really hearing much from him. And, you know, you've been there. So can you kind of give people insight on him? Is he looking good? Is he going to make the team? Like, what do you think? Yeah, you've been kind of tiptoeing around it. So let me just go ahead and just flatly say it. I don't think Josh Gordon. (laughs) And I don't think that that's a bold proclamation either. I mean, he's mostly running with the twos and three, or not even the twos and threes. A lot of times with the threes and fours, and it, it it's kind of plateaued from what we've seen last year. I think Josh Gordon had a path to making the roster, but you got to impress right out the gate. You got to show us in the first week what you were working on the entire offseason before we even get to a preseason opportunity. I remember I was in one of your other of thousands of spaces that you host per day, Neil Armstrong, and you were like, oh, the Chiefs going to keep five – four or five or five or six, and I got booed out the room for saying five, I'll change my mind. I think it's six now. Uh, I think Justin Watson is a is a name to watch, the guy they brought over from Tampa. He's got a real smooth uh, style to him. I, I, I'm sure he will fit right in with, with what Mahomes does. We talk about middle of the field, intermediate stuff. And then when you talk about a guy who's going to make an impact on special teams, it's been Doris Fountain over the past couple of years. Seems like he's picked off right where he's left off. In the minds of Dave Tobe, when he talked to the media the other day, mentioned Fountain by name specifically. And that's always a good thing when Dave Tobe mentions your name, man. And that's usually a good thing. But as far as Josh Gordon, we might have to just let that dream die. I, I know there was a lot of a lot of hype and a lot of expectations, but so far it, it hasn't materialized, my guy. Yeah. And you know I've had a soft spot for Josh Gordon. And I even had to come to terms yesterday. Uh, in one of my group chats, man, and I said, you know what? He's probably not going to make it. And it hurts, man. It hurts. I, I, it, it I hurts, know that Aaron. physically pained you to, to admit that you were wrong about a guy, you know? Well, you know, I have no problem admitting that I'm wrong. You know, that's something that you struggle with at times. So, you know. Well, I'm never, I, I'm never wrong, Mark. So, oh, wrong. You're, oh, you're never wrong, right? I'm uh, never wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I, I'm pretty sure you've been wrong on some Mizzou stuff in the past. But, well, I digress. <laughs> I digress. But speaking to another room on the offense, man, and 
this room is intriguing to me as well because I think we have an interesting development here. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, you're there. You're the you're the man putting in the hard work in St. Joe, sweating, man, enduring the elements, the humidity, uh, with the camera on your shoulder, the mic in the other hand. I mean, you're just you're the grinder. You're the grinder. So we go to you for this stuff, man, for the meat the meat and potatoes, right? So the running back room. Obviously, Clyde should be RB1, right? Just because first round pick, a lot of stuff to prove. The Chiefs still want to show that, you know, it was worth it. But am I often thinking that Pacheco is actually like the second guy? Am I wrong in thinking that? Because I see I see his name every day. They just rave about the kid. I don't really hear much about Rojo. I'm hearing that he's running with the second and third team. Like, can you confirm this, Aaron? What's going on in that running back room right now? Well, let me start with addressing the the, the disrespect off top. You said I was a grinder. It's funny because in KC, you know, we real blue collar. I know, I know it's been a while since you've been back in the city, but, you know, we roll up. How did I, dis- I gave him credit. How's the disrespect? <laughs> I gave you a great intro. What are you talking about? Are you an L.A. guy. You put on the white collar and, you know, you forgot all what it's like to, to sweat. And earn, earn <laughs> an honest day's work. <laughs> uh, the running backs, man. I, I don't think, and I hate getting asked this question because it it, it doesn't matter. The Chiefs are going to go into the season with four running backs, and at each point in time in the year, there's going to it's going to look like that guy is running back one. There's going to be a point in the year where Clyde looks like the running back one. There's going to be a point in the year where Rojo looks like the running back one. There's going to be a point in the year where Poppy looks like running back one. Uh, like it. It's going to vary. Andy Reid has said open and honestly in the past that he likes to have a lot of different flavors at running back. To me, Rojo is the bruiser, right? When you want to go in or you need short yardage situation on third and short, Rojo's going to get you that get you that two yards you need to keep the chains moving. Clyde is Clyde. Uh, and uh, Eric Bieniemy earlier this week said he is one of the best football players on our team that just happens to play running back. That tells you a lot about how they view him uh, as far as an offensive skill set. And how they plan on utilizing him. Because honestly, and I know a lot of people like to dump on Clyde for his shortcomings. And yes, he has struggled to stay healthy. But it's not always just on the player when we talk about people struggling in the NFL. Sometimes it's how the coaches and the coaches communicate their scheme with that player. It sounds like the Chiefs are coming in with a different attitude and a different mindset on how they're going to use Clyde this year. As far as Pacheco, he's in. I don't think that I don't understand why there was ever any doubt that he was not going to make the roster. Dave Tobar, already said that he's going to break camp as the team's kick returner and see if he can handle it at a very, uh, at the professional level right away. Um, I would be interested to see that. I did some TV with Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride earlier this week, and he compared Pacheco to Kareem Hunt more so than any other Chiefs running back. And that stood out to me a little bit as well. I mean, it, the Chiefs are going to have a lot of different options at running back, and it's going to look cloudy and it's going to look confusing. And I think that's by design. Yeah, man. I'm starting to buy into the Pacheco hype. I'm not going to lie, man. The hype, I think, is real. The guy's a burner. Uh, he's underrated physically. And the only thing is, you know, as far as him attacking the holes, right, sometimes he, you know, he gets a little jittery or he goes a little too fast or sometimes, he, you know, it's just one of those things where he has to learn the balance, right, of he's a how, rookie. To, how to attack it. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying. But, you know, 
I'm just saying as far as like the hype right now, because like comparing to Kareem Hunt, like we've heard that, you know, and I've seen other stuff like somebody, somebody compared him to Jamal Charles. I've seen that before, too, floated out there. So I just think yeah, just slow down just a little bit. But I understand, though, from the physical physical traits, because the guy ran like a what a four three. So the guy is definitely a burner for sure. He can catch the ball at the backfield. I've seen him catch some running back screens and stuff like that. So the the talent is definitely there. The potential is definitely there for sure. Uh, I'm excited, man. I really think it's cool because this is how the NFL is now, man. I mean, running back by committee. I think the Chiefs have four quality backs. You know, you don't have that one superstar. You don't have like that Nick Chubb obviously, or Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor. But I think you have four guys that you can feel comfortable, like you said. It's going to look like when – it's going to look like at different points in the year where one guy's RB1 and another guy's RB1. So I totally agree with that point there. But I'm just really interested to see how much play does Pacheco really get offensively. I do think he's going to be an impact guy in special teams for sure. Obviously, Dave Tobe has already touched on that as well. and. Another thing, another rookie that I think is really intriguing for me on the other side of the ball, and when the pass came on, man, he started to shine. And I'm not surprised because this guy, he loves violence. He likes hitting people. I'm talking about none other than Leo Chanel. Uh, you know, and and this is just where I like to, I like to push the yellow button. You know, I, I'm not a Chiefs fan. Y'all know that. Uh, I, yes, I, you are. <laughs> you're you're a Chiefs fan at this point. You gotta be. I'm not a Chiefs fan. Y'all know that. So when I see a lot of this stuff on social media, you know, I just I, I just want to push the yellow button sometimes. Like, can we can we proceed with caution? Like, people see a couple clips, and, and what I'll say for every play that I've seen, Leo Chanel, as far as his run fill, run gap, run stop, all that. I mean, it's off the charts. It it, it kind of reminds me of Nick Bolton, the way he just flies downhill. And, and you talk about violence and physicality, all that. But pass protection, I've, I've, I've seen some issues. And Yeah, he, he's not he's not there in pass coverage at all it, right now. If you've come out to camp, it, it, it's been evident. And the, play, and the coaches are working with him. And it's early, Mark. It's the first week in August, man. Like... These guys are still learning the, how to be professional football players. And they're yeah. not great at every point in time. I just want to push the yellow button, man. Can we, can we push the yellow button? No, we cannot. It's either red or green. <laughs> There's no in-between, and you know that. But no, that's how it is on Twitter, man. But, Aaron, we know what it is. People are just thirsty for football, man. This has felt like a long offseason. You know, you've had a lot of talk. Uh, obviously, with these spaces now, these fan bases talking trash to each other every single day. People are just thirsty for anything to grasp on, man. And you want to take that away from them, Aaron? I thought you were a man of the people. I thought you were a man of the people. Aaron. I just be. I just want to be realistic, Mark. I want to be realistic. When I look at those first eight games on the Chiefs schedule, I see four and four. I see five. Wow, and- you're giving out predictions right now. Is that what we're doing? But but what I just I'm just saying, like, wow. Let's be reasonable here about where KC is. And and this is something I mean, I know we speculated on this last pod because it was like he had just taken the visit to KC. But having Carlos Dunlap in the fold, I know he hasn't popped up at practice yet. he Andy Reese he was reporting on Wednesday. Maybe Serta can chime in in our chat and let us know if he if he showed up today. But 
having him in KC makes me automatically feel a lot better about where they stand. Having Frank Clark back in the forward and hearing some of his quotes about what they about what his offseason was like and refocusing and his meetings with Andy Reid in the offseason, that makes me feel better. But seeing Leo Chanel fill a run gap with the ones with the with the twos and the threes in St. Joe, that doesn't do anything for me, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, since you spoke on the first eight, I feel comfortable saying they're going five and three in that first eight. I think five and three is very, very fair. I think four and four is the floor, which is fine because after that first eight, their next two games are against well, they play Jacksonville after that. So that should be a win. But we're not going to do the schedule thing right now. Bet the house. Bet the house on what? The first eight? I, I, I'll bet you, I'll bet they'll be at least five and three. I don't hate that. That's, that's, about, that's about right. Yeah. I, I feel comfortable with that. Serta chimes in on Carlos Dunlap's availability and says Andy Reid said they expect him to, to arrive tonight and then they'll talk to him and figure out a plan to get him on the field. Man, I mean, just that eight coming off the edge, that's going to look kind of clean. Mel- Melvin Ergel was 24 last year and now eight. Maybe maybe KC should have like a Kobe edge rusher every year on their team. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Speaking on the defense, what about that DB room? Uh, In particular, the rookie corners. Obviously, the main guys is Joshua Williams, and then you got Trent McDuffie. What have you seen in that area? And, you know, I, I know last week was a lot of hype about Joshua Williams. Uh, McDuffie, you know, obviously rookie woes, you know, he, he wins some, he loses some, it happens, you know, and I've said this before too, man, playing corner is probably the toughest position to play in all of football because you're out there on an island by yourself and in today's NFL, you can't really get too physical with those receivers, so they're already at an advantage, so you're going to expect some rookie woes, especially from your cornerback room. I have liked what I've seen from Trent McDuffie, he's throwing right into the fire and it's pretty much assumed that he will start week one that's a lot of weight to put on a rookie especially at what you're calling the hardest position on the field I think he's I think he's held his own he's won some he's lost some he's going up against uh, top receivers in Kansas City's offense that ain't easy for anybody Uh, and I think he's treaded water for the most part but this is a Joshua Williams hive I might just completely change my name on Twitter to Josh Williams hive uh, because he's fit the mold and then for him to come out and say his story and share his story about what he was doing in the HBCU COVID year, in the idle year, uh, I, if I am a – I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I am a Joshua Williams fan. I expect him to make a lot of plays on Sundays for KC. Yeah, didn't he say he was delivering pieces? 
bro, delivering pizzas for Domino's and working security at Walmart. Like, talk about, talk about, I mean, does it, does it get any more humble than that? (laughs) Wanting to keep your, wanting to keep your NFL dream alive. Wanting to like, I mean, that's, 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 that's a different level, man. And uh, beyond anything that he does on Sundays, because I know a lot of people are going to fixate on that immediately. I mean, he, he's already, he's already won. (laughs) Hey, man. I didn't want to go down this road, but it happened. It's been a topic. We're going to do it, bro. I'm sorry, Aaron. I don't know. I don't think you know where I'm going here. Do you have any idea where I'm going here? Uh, I'm nervous. You got me nervous. Tyreek Hill. <laughs> did, 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 did you see the latest clip from the podcast? I never watched the first episode of this podcast. No, no, not the, just the clip on Twitter. Not the full episode. You see the clip. Him and Pringle sitting down. Yes, I saw it, Mark. <laughs> he forces us to talk about him, bro. I, I really didn't want to do it, but he brought on Pringle, another former chief. He's been all over my timeline for the past 24 hours. You know, Chiefs fans eat it up every single time. What's your thoughts? At a certain point, Chiefs fans have to just stop reacting, right? It seems like Tyreek is just acting out of wanting a reaction. He's like that kid that teases you and gets you so fired up just to just to see what you're going to do. At a certain point, you just have to say, all right, I mean, it's a podcast. Like, all podcasts are created to drive traffic. Like, he's trying to drive traffic to his podcast. I can't tell you the last three or four guests he's had on that podcast, but it sounds like Byron Pringle in this instance wasn't very happy with his departure. I don't know. When I leave a job, I don't expect to hear from them ever again. Like if, if if a girl leaves me, I don't expect her to be like, "Oh, by the way, you know, this is what I'm up to now." Like, "No, nah, it's over. Move on." Like that. And then Pringle was talking about how he got like a thank you card, and Tyreek was like, "I didn't get no thank you card. <laughs> I didn't get anything." When we uh when Coast to Coast gets a new host, you'll get a thank you card. Don't worry. <laughs> but honestly though like seriously it's becoming really evident and i've already thought this do you believe that tyreek really really regrets his decision because i get the whole notion of drawing traffic to the podcast and stuff like that but at this point it's overkill bro and Obviously, he's saying all these outlandish things to hype up his quarterback and Tua, right? You know, you can you can hype your quarterback, but you don't got to lie. You know, he's been over the top with it. And then now, you know, he keeps, you know, throwing these little backhanded jabs at the Chiefs organization, bringing on former Chiefs players. I guess next week he's going to have on Demarcus Robinson. No, that's not a real thing. I'm just, I'm just going to say, yo. But, but I wouldn't be surprised. He, he's probably going to have on Demarcus Robinson, Tyron Matthew, uh, Sorensen, Anthony Hitchens, all the former Chiefs, right? He probably got them all lined up for the next month. But, you know, it's like that that ex, man, that just can't let go. Like, the Chiefs aren't talking about Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs have talked about Tyreek Hill quite a bit. Not not to the same extent that Tyreek's talking about the Chiefs. It's not even close. I can't I can't even like I can't even fake interest in this anymore, Mark. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I, I mean I don't I didn't listen to the podcast. I, I the most interesting thing about Tyreek Hill to me is how the Chiefs plan on replacing his production and the offense. 
Well, with that being said, we're live here on Coast to Coast. <laughs> Mark Gunnels and Aaron Ladd live from Las Vegas, Nevada. If you guys have any questions, don't be. Oh, my gosh, Mark. No. Oh, my gosh, man. Yo, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is. I was trying to connect with him earlier today. He had an issue at the airport and he had to sign autographs on the way in and all this. Looks like we got a question up here. We're just going to stall until Mark gets back. What's up, Mamba? Oh, uh, yeah. I was just uh, wondering um, you guys see uh, Sky Moore uh, being part of Office Moore, like the original, like uh, Tyreek Hill was? Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, he. <laughs> He's uh gonna be a big part of the offense. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, he he fits that Tyreek Hill mold. He's got the the ball tracking ability. It's gonna be about staying healthy and how quickly can he adapt to the scheme, which is probably what you could say for every rookie. But through the first week and a half of training camp, he looks to be a playmaker for them. Definitely, I see Mark Gunnels back in the room. But Mark, what happened, dog? What's going? On? Are the hotel you at? They got Wi Fi over there. What's going on? What's the last thing you heard from me? That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I told him you got caught up at the airport before you got into Vegas. You had to sign some autographs and all this. <laughs> yeah, man. I had the, you know, hugs and kiss babies and all that stuff, man. You know. He was asking about Sky Moore. Do we do we feel like Sky Moore is gonna be a big part of the offense? Yes. I don't think initially. I think the first few weeks, you know, I don't think his targets will be that high. But I think, you know, after that buy, especially, I think it's in week seven or eight. I think after that, then you start seeing his volume go up. I think he'll show flashes in the first six weeks, but I don't think he'll be high on the pecking order uh, to start the season. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, the guy is already exceeding my early camp expectations from what I've seen. Um, I mean, his route running is really special. He has a quick first step. His release is amazing. He always gets separation. He has big hands. He doesn't really drop anything. So. I mean, from a, a, a talent standpoint, you can argue he's maybe the most talented receiver on the roster, which is crazy to say for a rookie. But I think his ceiling is really that high. But, I mean, when you have guys like Harden who's already been here, obviously Kelsey's going to get a lot of targets. Juju already seems to be high on the pecking order. I think it's going to be hard for him to, um, to fit in initially. But I do think as the season goes on, you will see higher volume for Sky Moore. We got to talk to Twitter, man. If they booting you out of space now... It's cooked. It's over with. They can't kill us. <laughs> but uh, I mean, if we don't have any more questions, I don't have anything else unless you want to, you know, throw something else out there. Man, I feel like we we touched Vegas. pretty much everything. Vegas. Um, I'm seeing Silk Sonic tonight. What's up? Oh yeah, you are. That is tonight, huh? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> you probably over there ironing your clothes right now as we speak. Hey. You know oh, I mean? hold on, hold on. We got my boy Yuji up here. Hold on. He has a burner? Yuji has a burner? Yeah, he got a, his his page got deactivated for some reason or something. Suspended or something. I don't know what happened, bro. And this is who you're inviting to the stage? <laughs> nah, he's a good guy, man. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. What's up, Yuji? Damn, man. That was that was uncalled for. That was unnecessary. You know, when it's a non-recorded space, yeah, you know, I, I say wild stuff at times. <laughs> this is a professional setting, my man. Um, but, yeah, I just had a question for you, Aaron. Uh, since you've been at camp, uh, looking at the right tackle position, I know there's a positional battle between Wiley, Kennard, and, and maybe 
uh, Lucas Nyang when he comes back. Who do you think that's uh, going to win that position? Appreciate you, Yuji, man. It's all love. I promise. I swear. Uh, we look at we talk about right tackle here on Coast to Coast. It's Andrew Wiley's job right now, if you ask me. I know a lot of people, and myself included, thought Kennard might come in and assert himself as a day one starter. But Andrew Wiley has had versatility on the squad for a very long time. He knows how to play guard. He knows how to play tackle. Um, and that's an extremely valuable asset along the offensive line. He's and and you pretty much expect that, right? Mark, like Mark. If this is a guy who is a rookie versus a guy who's been in an Andy Reid training camp before and knows how the offense is run, it doesn't surprise me that Andrew Wiley has come out with a little bit of an advantage over over Darian Kennard. That doesn't mean that Kennard won't have an opportunity to step in at that spot at some point this season. Um, but as far as breaking camp, I think it, I think it's Wiley's. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's a little disappointing, but I understand because Wiley's floor is higher than Kennard's at this point. Now, Kennard has a higher ceiling, but will he reach that ceiling in year one, or at least early in the season? Probably not. And he has a lower floor, obviously, as a rookie versus a veteran. And Wiley, who's already been there, who was solid last year, and he knows the system and things of that nature. So it makes sense at this point for Wiley. That had to be his job to lose at this point. But eventually... I think it's, it'll be Kennard because he has a high ceiling. I got to see some preseason games, man. I'm tired of doing takeaways from practices. Like, it's only so much I can tell y'all, man. They got pads on now, man. What does that mean, Mark? They're hitting, Eric. Come on. They're hitting each other. They're, I mean, they're hitting each other. What does that do for you? Hey, man. I'm just, hey, that's where you get to see the real ballers, man. <laughs> now, this is our last question. My boy CJ, man. What's Yo, up, what up, bro? Mark? What up, Aaron? What up, again? Hey, I'm... What's the word? And I was up there last week. I wanted to ask Aaron because I know Aaron been in there locked in every day. I'm going back on Tuesday for um season ticket member day, but I wanted to ask Aaron, Aaron, how do you think the safety group's been looking? I think the rotation we'll have this year with Juan, Brian, and obviously uh Justin is gonna be a big upgrade from what we had last year. I agree with you. It seems like they have an early chemistry already. I've been very impressed by by Brian early. This is a guy that doesn't look like a rookie to me. Um, you know, he had that synergy with, with Kelsey, them both being Bearcats, but I think it's a younger unit. I think it's a more explosive unit. Um, it seems like a group that might work a little better together, um, but only time will tell guys. And this is why I just finished telling Mark, let's, let's hit the yellow button. If that's, if we need to name this episode, anything, let's hit the yellow button. Let's just wait. <laughs> You're no fun, man. I know when you drive and it goes from green to yellow. You slow down. You don't. You don't. You don't go through that light. You slow down and stop. You're not the one that goes through it. When it turns yellow, I've hit the gas. <laughs> I'm sick of you, man. Coast to coast is out of here. We in Vegas. We'll see y'all next. We out.